This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn. I'm Darshan Johan. Junior Achievement, JA Asia Pacific, an arm of JA Worldwide, is a non-profit focused on empowering youth through education, financial literacy and entrepreneurship programs to get young people ready for the future. On today's episode, I'll be speaking to Mazia Sabet, President and CEO of JA Asia Pacific, on the NGO and their upcoming Company of the Year competition. Mazia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dashwan. Good to be with you. Before we talk about the organization, um, I want to talk about yourself. Who are you? Who's Mazia Sabet? And what is the work that you do? Uh, well, so I am, uh, my title is the President and CEO of JA mm-hmm. Asia Pacific. Uh, and JA is an organization that's set up as a federated model. We have a headquarters and we have six what we refer to as regional operating centers that we call ROCs for short. And I am the person that is assigned to the Asia-Pacific region. Uh, and the Asia-Pacific region, I will add, is a very generously defined uh, amount of space for us, Dashran. So it includes uh, Central Asia. So we have offices in places like Azerbaijan, Turkmenistan, uh, as well as uh, the traditional countries that are usually associated with being uh, strictly in the Asia-Pacific. So what were you doing before um, you joined JA um, Asia-Pacific, before you became the CEO and, and president? Um, and, and why join an NGO? So I uh, started uh, in the private sector. Uh, I did an MBA at a French business school. Uh, and then the French business school decided to open a campus in Singapore. Uh, and we said, my wife and I at the time I was newly married, we said, well, you know, what an exotic opportunity. I was living in Canada at the time where uh, I had spent, I think, 19 years of my life. Um, what an exciting opportunity to experience Asia for four months. And four months became seven years and seven <laughs> years has now become something like 18 years in total in the Asia Pacific region. Now, how I ended up uh, in an NGO, the story that I used to be, at, I used to work for a, 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 an American medical device company. Uh, and my wife, who uh, um, works with the World Bank, actually, uh, was asked to stay in Singapore when we thought, you know, uh, we're going to have to leave and, and her contract's coming to an end. So we did a U-turn from what was then uh, uh, Paris. I was living there uh, back to Singapore to uh, allow my wife uh, to, to pursue her uh, opportunity. And the school, uh, which is a, a, a named NCAD, I might as well say the name of the school, is NCAD, a French business school that started in with one location in Fontainebleau, France, uh, was looking to grow their presence in Asia. I was now an alumnus of the school, and they asked me if I was interested, and it just uh, was such a compelling uh, story to me because I believed in the school. It was so global, 120 countries in the school, every country a minority, uh, and it was the environment that I was drawn to naturally. Uh, so I pivoted from you know the private sector into education, <laughs> and as I got more and more into it and grew more and more passionate about it, uh, I realized uh, that, you know, I'm going to get to a stage in my career where the number one priority for me is to be surrounded uh, by people that I enjoy working with, that um, motivate me, that inspire me uh, and committed to a, a mission that I believe in. Uh, and so, you know, when I was nearing the age of 50, I remember having a conversation with my wife and said, you know, the next job for me 
is one that I would literally do for free. That's how I'm going to pick whether it's the right fit. And I was so honored um, to have met uh, Ashish Advani, who was our who was our global president and CEO um, at that time in Hong Kong. Uh, he told he told me the story of JA, and I very quickly knew. Uh, that it would be uh, a wonderful fit for me and that I would benefit from being in that environment and hopefully uh, have something to add as well. So let's talk about JA. Tell me the story of JA. Um, let's start with JA Worldwide. How did the organization come to be and what is its vision? Yeah, so I mean, JA um, started as an organization uh, in the US that was um, responding to uh, er, the urbanization trend. Uh, so we're 105 years old. Right. Um, you know, and at the time, uh, people were coming from rural into urban lives without uh, any uh, knowledge of the financial markets or the or finances, period. Um, and so this organization was set up to address that. Uh, and over the years, it's held true to that pillar. And uh, we have multiple other areas of activity. Um, but financial inclusion and financial literacy uh, have not only remained uh, as one of the main areas of activity for us, but have remained as relevant today as they were back then. Uh, the nature of the world has changed, but the relevance of our, um, our, of our key um, focus uh, hasn't. Of course, we've adapted um, and evolved. Um, and so here we are today uh, where we're you know, in over 100 countries. As I mentioned to you, you know, we're set up as a federated model with these six regional operating centers. So right. I will add that we have over 100 uh, countries in the world mm. with JA offices. Um, probably if I count the number of offices, I, I don't know the exact number, but it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 offices because there's countries with multiple offices. Uh, and in Asia uh, Pacific, we have 17 different locations, again, some with multiple offices. Um, and uh, I will say that the, the latest numbers in terms of our reach on an annual basis is something in the neighborhood of 18 million children and youth across the world, of which we're approaching 4 million in the Asia-Pacific region. That's an annual number. So how did JA Asia-Pacific come to be? Um, did it come at the same time, emerge at the same time as JA Worldwide, or um, did it come many years later? Tell me about the origins. So I'm not a... a super uh, expert on the history of, of how things evolved the way they did. Mm -hmm. But uh, the answer is that no, it, it did not start early on. It was really just the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, and my understanding is that uh, Canada and Europe uh, in that order uh, and that the, the Asia Pacific Regional Operating Center was actually one of the last right. uh, to be founded. And, and it started with um, the, the, the J.A colleagues in the United States doing some work in this region uh, to the realization that we need to have uh, a regional presence and a dedicated uh, J Asia Pacific region. And, and that's what happened. And so I think my understanding is that initially uh, that was created uh, out of a team that was based out of Hong Kong. That right. became a regional team. Uh, some of the staff uh, from J Hong Kong became the regional staff. And, and from there, we started to grow. 
So how are how is your this, tell me about the structure of your organization because to me it's it's very fascinating right you all have a, a sort of worldwide that's the parent organization and then you all have Asia Pacific um, in in Asia Pacific your office is based in Hong Kong but you all have arms in various countries um, you are here in Malaysia right now um, your colleague who came to the studio with us um, is based in Malaysia how do you all run the organization that, that way? Could you explain that for me? Yeah, so let me speak at a high level and then I'll uh, right. mention some of the trends uh, that we've tried to implement or some of the uh, changes we've tried to implement in, in this region. Um, so we operate um, under this, what we refer to as a fixed, flexible, freestyle model, right? So there are certain things that are fixed. Vision, mission, core values, that's not going to change. Um, and then there are things that are flexible, so the discretion of a regional center, for example. Uh, and then there are things that are what we refer to as freestyle. And what, what I'm really telling you, we don't think for a moment um, that as, re as a regional team, we would know as much about a local context as our team that is living and breathing the local culture. And so I think I told you uh, earlier, Dashran, about this, this idea of um, wanting to work in an organization that I would literally just, just want to work at without any consideration of right. anything else. What really got to me was that we lead through influence. It's not a traditional hierarchical setup. I see myself and my colleagues in the Asia-Pacific region as supporting our members. And so um, they are, you know, the, for example, JA Malaysia, uh, which is led by a wonderful executive director, local uh, Shanti Kantaswamy. Um, they are the ones that decide how and when and if a program is going to be impactful in the local market. And we try to do whatever we can to facilitate their implementation of a program. So even when it's a, a regional program, we have conversations at a country level to see how that will translate. So this is sort of how the, uh, the fixed, flexible freestyle plays out. And for me, that element of my work is one of the, the most exciting, one of the most motivating where we have a group of passionate uh, people who are aligned by core values coming together to solve societal challenges that we all believe in and uh, makes the work much more meaningful than if, um, you know, working in a maybe more of a traditional structure. So what are your core values and, and vision? What are you trying to achieve? Well, if you look at our um, vision statement, it, it's about young people having the skill set and the mindset to build thriving communities. Um, and uh, in terms of mission, uh, you know, we talk about uh, preparing young people to succeed in a global economy. At the end of the day, we're in the business of empowerment. And empowerment to me uh, should consider three different levels or um, considerations. The first is uh, individual empowerment. So that's obvious. Right, we we uh, run a program, say on financial literacy, and there's individuals who, uh, whether they're from 
uh, a more marginalized community or from even in the most elite private schools in the region. Uh, it's not something that is traditionally taught in any detail in the school system. So we think it's important. Um, the second um, element or the second protagonist, let's, let's use that term, is the community or the collective. And so what we see uh, is that our young students take the lessons that they learn into their family. And once we hit a critical mass, it becomes something that is almost a community-wide impact. And the third protagonist, if I could use that, is um, the institution. So we also see that rather than feeling supported by institutions that govern our societies, a lot of young people feel let down or disappointed. And our hope is that they feel that they can affect positive change in a positive manner in partnership with their institutions. And so this empowerment that happens on three different levels, and we think if you do you know, one without the others or two without the, other, without the third, it's an incomplete and a not a sustainable model. So we try to look at it in all three ways. So when we talk about impact, it's, it's three different ways. And some of our programs are um, more of a light touch where we do you know, introductions to various concepts and hope that it, um, it, it, it leads to curiosity for deeper dives. And some of our programs are, you know, can be accredited, much more detailed. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it's all f uh, serving the same cause, which is the, which is the the purpose of empowerment and to bring youth not only to the point of optimism and belief, uh, but also uh, their identity, which is you know as the leaders of today. What to you is the importance of financial literacy, especially, uh, and why do you think y children and youth should start learning? Because a lot of people think, you know, you don't have to worry about this. Uh, once you start working, and maybe if you're doing investments, then you care about financial literacy. How would you respond to that? A an excellent question. Uh, and let me first talk about two other areas of activity for us mm -hmm. and then tie it all together okay. to try to answer your question. All so right. the other two main, what we refer to as pillars of, of activity, in addition to financial literacy inclusion, is uh, work readiness. And the third one is entrepreneurship. Hmm. Now, uh, to your question, um, we have been nominated now for the third year in a row for the Nobel Peace Prize. We're something that we're really honored um, and we're not an NGO that is one of these visceral, you know, uh, you know, parachutes into war-torn regions and, you know, uh, saves lives and, and all this, which is super important and necessary. Um, but we're in the long-term game, meaning, um, you know, we're in the business of sustainably lifting people, communities, and hopefully countries out of a, a cycle of negativity, however that may be. If you look at the biggest geopolitical threats, I think if you ask young people, top of mind will be something around the environment and sustainability. Absolutely. Another one will be the disparity and the growing disparity in between the rich and poor. Uh, this is not to say that we don't believe that there should be people who are rewarded for hard work and people who uh, get away without doing anything. That's not what we believe. But what we do believe is that everybody should have a fair chance and a fair shot. And sadly, 
the individualistic attitude that we have observed throughout the generations, at least most recently, have widened this disparity and have added to a sense of uh, helplessness and desperation. Now, how does this tie in to world peace and the Nobel Peace Prize? Um, I would suggest that one of the, the, the root causes of war is disunity. And disunity can mean many things. It can mean ethnic, it can mean religious, but also it can mean um, this disunity in terms of opportunity, equity. And so the first step to helping bridge this gap is financial inclusion and literacy. Uh, and then if you look at the other two areas of activity, entrepreneurship and work readiness. So work readiness, you know, I, I might um, be fortunate um, that uh, maybe, you know, if my kids want to get an internship or, you know, apply to a good school, I might have access to people that I can consult, that can advise them, that can give them, an, you know, help, how to interview, how to write a resume, et cetera, et cetera. Most of the world does, does not have this. So, you know, work readiness in and of itself. And by the way, we don't compartmentalize programs necessarily into this is a financial issue, this is a work readiness. Sometimes right. that's the case. For the most part, we, we touch on all these elements in mm. all the programs that we do. So one is, you know, this, this idea of, of equipping people, with, not only with the knowledge, uh, with, but also with the skills and the confidence uh, to be ready for the workforce. And the third area is entrepreneurship. And, and entrepreneurship to us goes beyond starting a company, right? Entrepreneurship is about thinking like a leader, which is the opposite, you know, leading is the opposite of following. And so back to this idea of, of peace, right? Um, one of the, the root, so we talked about disunity being one of the root causes. One of the root causes of disunity is, is some form of prejudice, and one of the root causes of prejudice, if you keep d digging into it, is this mimicking of past behavior, blind imitation. Right. And so thinking like a leader, by definition, is the opposite of that. And so, yes, we have, you know, we hope that our, uh, you know, on entrepreneurs start businesses and create jobs and opportunities, and they do, many of them. But we also hope that if they, even if they don't choose that path, um, that they become entrepreneurs in terms of their thinking and their leadership. Um, and so if you look at these three things together, we're building, you know, and then I talked about the individual, the collective, um, and the institutions, we're building a sustainable base upon which to build a new order uh, and way of doing things. The other thing now I, I would add, because, you, you know, you've, we're in Asia, and I'm here because I'm passionate about the region, right. I believe in it. Um, and I and I believe that we're on the verge of an equilibrium shift of sorts. Mm -hmm. If it hasn't, if not already, maybe in it, um, where historical attitudes towards business and the financial world have been very individualistic. You know, they 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 uh, they're they're taught that way. <laughs> um, and and um, what I would consider, and, and I'm going to talk about Asian values. I want to be careful because. Look, I've lived in multiple places, and I've seen wonderful people everywhere, right? And I've seen misguided people everywhere. Um, but I, I, I do feel comfortable saying that 
um, concepts such as humility, reverence, these are more well understood in our part of the world. That's mm. what I would say. Uh, and I don't hear these words in MBA classrooms as much as I would like. Uh, and so I think one of the, hopefully, one of the balancing effects of the rise, the century of Asia, is that these Eastern values assimilate themselves into the way we conduct ourselves, even in business. Uh, you know, I, I, just a silly, I was talking to one of my kids the other day who was, was very competitive and was, um, you know, felt uh, something unfair had happened mm -hmm. in, in a sport. And I, I you know, I, I said to him, I said, look, if you're running a marathon, right, and you're winning, and then you notice that the person in second place behind you has fallen and hit their head and is bleeding. And you stop to help this person. And as a result of that, the third place runner passes both of you. Who's the real winner? According mm -hmm. to our current system of reward, it's, it's the third place. But it should be the person who stopped. And so we want to see a redefinition of values. And this is not up to me at the age of 53 <laughs> to do. It's up to our children and youth to teach us right. what this means. And we're seeing it. And part of it is the rise of Asia. You know, I find that a lot of our, our partners that are Asian-based um, are very humble in their, um, in their deference almost to the Western way of doing things. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that I encourage them is, is you know, we as people who've been raised in the West would also benefit from learning the way that you have been successful uh, in this part of the world and hopefully having a more balanced, uh, universal approach to how we define success. On the show with me today is Mazia Sabet, President and CEO of JA Asia Pacific. We will continue our conversation after the break. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Darshan Johan. And on the show with me today is Mazia Sabet, President and CEO of Junior Achievement, which is JA Asia Pacific. So, Mazia, can you give me some insights on how you target, um, you know, which group of people to help, to, to empower? Um, how do you target your programs? I, I know, obviously, it's going to differ country to country. Um, you know, you have your, your people within that country um, running these programs. But if you could give me the broad strokes, because even when we look at, you know, just using one aspect, like financial literacy, um, you know, it's going to be different if, let's say, you come from a family that is a small to medium business, uh, you know, medium-sized business owner. Maybe you have the the financial capacity to attend a private school, perhaps. Um, you know, your idea of what financial literacy has, because you have more money, you can do more savings and so on and so forth, is going to be different from you know, someone who comes, let's say, from the plantation, um, you know, someone who lives in a PPR flat, or even someone who comes from a family where each parent's earning 3,000 ringgit or something like that. Um, you know, you cannot say, you know, blanket, you need to save X amount of percentage of your money because that may not even be an option, right? How do y'all contemplate these things and how do y'all target your programs? That's a, a, a great question. Historically, we have been somewhat agnostic about um, offering 
our um, support to any organization, school that would benefit from it. And I think that, you know, we talked about this earlier, there's a value in teaching financial literacy at a very elite private school, um, but certainly it has a different meaning. And so one of our uh, areas of focus has been to empower the underserved mm. across all the regions. This is a worldwide movement at JA, something that we've you know been historically doing, but we've made them even a stronger, more concerted effort. And underserved has different meanings in different markets, right? There, there are certain markets in the Asia-Pacific region where, for example, we cannot have a program only for women because the, the law just doesn't allow us to choose a gender uh, and to which uh, to deliver a program. Um, but there's, there's, and there's places where, um, you know, the, the, the definition of, of underserved, so in Australia, hmm. uh, we might look at an indigenous community. Uh, you know, Malaysia would be another example of that. Um, and then there's um, other activities that we've 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 done, which I've you know I've seen a lot of creativity from my colleagues. I mentioned Shanti, uh, the executive director <laughs> right. of JA Malaysia, and I and I encourage any of your listeners to look up JA Malaysia uh, and to reach out to Shanti if you're at all interested in in um, uh, joining us in 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 this movement of empowerment. Um, so Shanti had this challenge where uh, we wanted to deliver programs to specific schools that didn't have Wi-Fi hmm. and whose students did not own devices. Right. Um, and so, you know, we, thanks to the generosity of HP, one of our partners, uh, and the invention of this uh, drivable router modem so she put she put this um, transportable Wi-Fi device in a truck, drove to the schools, handed out forty HP laptops, and immediately everybody was connected with devices in hand, delivered the program, and then went on to the next. Um, so we certainly see a different impact. I, I also remember um, one of the first trips I took. Mm -hmm. Now I joined right at the beginning of COVID. So right. I didn't get to travel as much as I liked early on, but I did get a chance to go to rural Indonesia where, um, you know, I was uh, attending um, a classroom that we, you know, we, we were uh, delivering a program in. And um, this uh, maybe 16-year-old um, student had invented some sort of air conditioning system. By the way, this we, we were literally delivering the program in the middle of a rice paddy. There was no wow. physical school, right? Um, she was. She talked about this air conditioning system that doesn't require any sort of power source. <laughs> like she had, it was some sort of wind catcher. It was a shape, and then it would spin a. Um, uh, it would spin a a, 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 a blade, a, a rotor, uh, and. I think there was some um, organic, I want to say it was made out of rice husks, but I'm not 100% sure wow. about that. That she would so she decided if you soak it, right? And then the, this, the, the, the turbine or the, the rotor turns and it sucks air through this wet. Right. And it would come out of the bottom and it was like a little air conditioning system. And, you know, I, I went up to her and, and I just said, you know, this is, um, this is so creative. You know, and I asked about her and her background, and 
you know, she, she said she was literally born in a rice paddy. And she said that her parents did not know what a bank account is, the meaning of the word save, invest, donate. Um, and what she was in the process of doing, this was one of her ideas, but she was in the process of setting up an online market um, where she had gotten um, a number of people with talent in the arts and crafts from her community to build things, other small pieces of jewelry, etc. And she was creating an online market where people from all over Indonesia uh, you know, this is it's incredible. It, it was for me transformative right. and, and it puts things in perspective. Uh, the other thing that I'll, you know, I, I didn't mention earlier is, uh, you know, when we have entrepreneurs like this step up, um, certainly they, they not only uh, give themselves a better opportunity in life, but they also, you know, give opportunities to those around them. But I think the last step in the cycle that we want to see is we want them to also consider being deliberately walking a path of service. Hmm. Um, and I want to just do a quick shout out to all of our volunteers. We have um, thousands of volunteers across the Asia Pacific region. And these are people who could be employees of companies that are our partners or um, board members, et cetera. Um, they, um, will give, you know, advice and share expertise with our students. But what they're really doing, which is unforgettable, is setting an example. You know, when when you see a, a successful executive from a blue chip company take hours out of their day or days out of their week to invest in the development of a young person, that's the lesson that's never forgotten. And my hope is that all of our participants see it as sort of the culmination of their success stories <laughs> right. to also feel like they can be a, a force for good right. in whatever community they're a part of. Mm -hmm. So how does um, JA get its funding? Um, you know, is it through grassroots? Is it through small business, big business? Does it come from JA worldwide? Um, could you explain the funding structure? Yeah, so the bulk of our funding is through business development activities. So we will work with an organization that has um, goals around social impact. And where those goals um, overlap with our areas of expertise and related to any of the areas that I've mentioned to you, um, we effectively will deliver those programs. Now we have this, you know, this distribution access, right, with all the schools, the ministries of education, et cetera, some of the countries that we serve, um, that is difficult for any one company, whether it's the foundation of an existing company or uh, whether the company has a, a, a direct CSR team. Um, it's difficult for any one organization um, to catch up to our networks. And so that's one of the values. And of course, then we have the expertise to um, to deliver, to measure impact, uh, et cetera. Uh, so, in a typical case, we will sit down with an organization. They'll say, you know, this is our context. These are our aspirations in terms of how we want to serve the community that we're embedded in. And we help them um, bridge the gap between their context and aspirations through their social impact work. So 
With that in mind, um, you know, there is a upcoming, I think it's a pretty big um, competition that JA is running. It's called JA Company of the Year. Um, tell me about it. What is this competition about? What are y'all hoping to achieve through it? Yeah, so the company program um, is a, a program that for the past seven, eight months, uh, youth from all over the region, I think this year we have 12 of our 17 markets participating in Asia. Uh, work on building companies around a particular product or service, uh, and they they plan every element of <laughs> this business, right? Uh, from you know a, a plan to take it to market, uh, conceptualization, uh, exit strategy, and everything in between. Uh, and uh, on top of that, we have partners such as uh, Project Management Institute, uh, PMIF, who are leaders. Uh, in, in teaching project management, and they will come in and they will help, um, you know, teach uh, the various elements, uh, putting together a business plan, timeline, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, w- the event that we're having here, which is uh, running, runs from the 11th to the 15th of March, uh, this year is being hosted by JA Malaysia. Um, they, uh, the, the winners uh, will be selected from um, entries from around the region, they're all flying into Malaysia, and they will pitch their business in front of panels of judges. There is a scoring um, system, um, and um, the, there's a winner selected. Right. And the winner, whether it's a product or service, will then... So So uh, what I've, I think forgot to mention is that we have the, the, the leading competitors from each country come to the regional competitions. They've right. already made it here. Then they get entered into our global business uh, company of the year competition. Um, and uh, they become um, uh, uh, global competitors and stand to win uh, what we refer to as the De La Vega scholarship. Um, and that can be used to uh, as an investment in their business. Um, so the other interesting thing is that on March 12th, um, we have a trade fair. And this year, it's uh, hosted in uh, Paradigm Mall in the afternoon, um, where each of these um, business teams sets, has a little booth assigned to them. Think of it as a little bazaar inside the mall where they will feature the product or service and people can come up and you know buy and ask them questions. I mean, the, the purpose isn't really revenue generation, but, but certainly their success um, at the uh, trade fair it, uh, also is evaluated uh, as part of the judging. Um, and uh, it's a way uh, in which people from KL who might be interested in learning more, uh, and, and I will say that some of these products are so incredibly creative and, and, and some, you know, may not necessarily be creative, but they're just so professionally done. Right. Uh, but for me, what I never forget are the, are the individuals and, and, um, the, 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 the personality and the leadership shown. Uh, and I'm so touched by, um, the way these youngsters behave towards one another, even mm-hmm. in their competition. It's a lesson for all of us. 
dash run, I'll tell you. Uh, so, you know, I, I encourage anybody who's interested to come and have a look. That's absolutely wonderful. Now, you know, um, you work with volunteers, um, you know, like you said earlier, you um, work with schools, with educational institutions, private, public, um, ministries. Um, so for anybody listening, how can they um, get in touch with you? How can they collaborate with you? Whether it's a volunteer, a business, a school, um, where do they go from here? So, you know, I, I am, uh, as you know, uh, um, uh, with JA Asia Pacific, so we're the regional um, team. Uh, I would suggest that the first um, contact uh, should be with JA Malaysia if they're based here, if the listener is based here. Um, JA Malaysia uh, uh, has a website. So just go to the website, um, reach out. Uh, there's email and there's a phone number there. Um, and Talk to somebody about what you're, you know, interested in, uh, and and willing to offer. We're looking for uh, judges, for board members, for people who have either, you know, the time, the networks, or the investment that could help us out. So time, you know, if you want to, um, you know, serve in some capacity, that's wonderful. Uh, network if you want to put us in touch with people or organizations that might be good partner organizations for us um, and um, the, the third part resources and that could be uh, certainly we welcome people who may want to contribute to our work uh, financially uh, or perhaps are with working with companies that have social impact goals that we may be able to help support. Uh, so I would encourage you to start with that. Now, of course, if it's a something that goes beyond Malaysia and it's a, a regional partnership, um, then certainly uh, we'll be alerted at the regional office, and and we'll be you know we'll we'll get in touch with that person. So I encourage that, actually. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to say that. Absolutely wonderful. I'll also include uh, links in the description, in the podcast description on the website. Um, Mazia, before we wrap this conversation up, would you have a final message for us? Uh, well, Dashran, I, I want to just um, say how much I believe in this country. Uh, so I told you I've been in the region for 18 years. You are... Um, a multicultural, multi-ethnic uh, country which has so many gifts at its disposal. But I would say the real treasure of Malaysia is the 10 million youth. And I, I understand that uh, the, the definition of youth has been somewhat shortened, which is probably a good thing because people like me should not be considering themselves even close to being youth. But, um, you know, it's something something like, you know, a third of your uh of, of, of your country is between 15 and 30. These are your real treasures. Inspire, encourage, listen to them, learn from them. Uh, and we are just so happy and so blessed that not only our business partners in Malaysia, um, but the government, um, the, the Social Security Organization in Malaysia, there's been multiple government entities that have recognized uh, the potential of our work and have partnered with us uh, in order for us to be able to uh, increase our reach, increase our impact in partnership. Uh, and I just want to say a huge thank you. And, and this is a country with a big heart and one in which I'm always happy uh, to come back to. And I really want to say a huge thank you to all of our supporters in Malaysia. Mazia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Dashran. Great to be with you.
That was Mazia Sabet, President and CEO of JA Asia Pacific. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can check us out on podcasts available on the BFM app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.